Lesson 6 of On the Seashore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Maskill. On the Seashore by R. Cadwallader Smith. Lesson 6 Plants of the Shore. To pick a bunch of gay flowers, you would look in the fields and hedgerows and not by the sea. Flowers, as you know, love moist soil and not dry sand, and, like us, they prefer one food to another. Sand they do not like, and salt is a poison to them. Both of these are enemies to plant life. Also, flowers choose sheltered spots. They do not like rough winds, and the glare of the sun shrivels them up. Yet there are plants with pretty flowers to be found by the sea, and many others with small, dull flowers. These seaside plants have to fight for their lives. The dry, shifting sand and the salt spray are enough to kill them, you would think. They have no shelter from the strong sea wind, nor from the fierce glare of the summer sun. The puzzle is, how do they live among so many enemies? For you know that the flowers of the field would at once die if you planted them in salt and sand. They would starve to death. Even the strongest seaside plants shun that part of the beach washed by the waves. They leave that to the seaweeds. Let us look first at some plants which have their home on the sand hills. Here is a fine one, like a thistle with stiff prickly leaves and a stiff blue stem. In August it has blue-gray flowers. This plant is called sea holly, its leaves being like those of the holly. It has an unpleasant smell, yet its roots are used for making some kinds of sweets. Now, try to pull up a plant of sea holly. You find it no easy task. Then dig away the sand, and you see that its large roots have gone deep and far. All these plants of sandy places grow like that. Sand has no food or drink to give to plants, so they send their roots out like plants in a desert until they find what they want. Besides food and drink, they need a firm anchor in the loose sand. The sea holly, with its roots deep down and far spreading, can hold its own, though the gale tears at it and throws its sandy bed here and there. We pass many small creeping plants as we walk in the dry sand. There is a pretty sea convolvulus with its stems deeply buried. It is a cousin of the common bindweed. Then we see many plants of thyme and a few ragged bushes of gorse. We notice that several little plants grow near the gorse as if they had crept there for shelter. The sea breeze has blown the sand into heaps, and even on these dry, thirsty hillocks we see many tufts of grass. These couch grasses, and dune grasses, as they are often called, are coarse and hard. Cattle pass them by in disgust. Yet they are the most useful plants on the shore. They can live and spread where other plants die. They have very long underground stems which go through and through the dry, loose sand. The wind does its best to bury them in sand, but they send up hard, sharp buds and go on living and spreading. Bit by bit, the sand is held together by the matted stems of these grasses. It becomes firm instead of loose. The wind can no longer blow it about. Then, other plants can grow in that place. You know how men go out into the wild parts of the earth and, by hard work, make those places ready for others to settle there. Well, the sand grass works like that. It prepares the way for useful plants to grow in places where they could not grow before. Quite near to the sea we shall find a very strange little plant. It has no leaves, only fleshy, jointed stems. 
it is known as the glasswort being full of a substance useful in making glass it belongs to a family which seems to delight in deserts and salty soil they have all sorts of dodges to help them live in such places for instance their leaves are fleshy squeeze them and they are like wet juicy fruit the sea beet is also a member of this family the red beet as well as the mongol wurzel we owe to this humble seaside plant most of our sugar comes from the sugar beet another useful plant is the sea cabbage which grows on some parts of our sea coast it is rather a ragged tough kind of cabbage and perhaps you would not choose it for your dinner table we have more tempting sorts in our gardens brussels sprouts broccoli cauliflower but long long ago the wild seaside cabbage was the only one growing men found it to be eatable and began to plant it near their huts and caves from that small beginning all our garden cabbages have come walking a little further from the sea we leave the sand and come to stones rocks and cliffs we pass a pretty plant the sea lavender and another the sea stalk they love best the sandy muddy parts of the shore their lilac flowers look bright and pretty coming to the rocky places we find tufts of the flower known as sea pink or thrift its leaves are like grass and its flowers form a round pink bundle at the top of a bare stalk there are many tufts of thrift growing among the rocks and each tuft has a number of pink flowers in some places you could step from one tuft to another for several miles bare and ugly stretches of coast are made into a gay garden by this lovely flower here and there on the rocks is a plant with large yellow blossoms the yellow horned poppy it is a handsome plant and you are surprised to see such fine flowers among dry shingle sand or rock but the horned poppy is well able to stand the salt spray and storms of its favorite home when the petals have dropped a green seed pod is left it is very long nearly twice as long as this page and looks much more like a stem than a seed pod sometimes this seaside poppy is seen growing high up the face of the cliff where only the jackdaw and seabirds can find a footing and many another plant may be seen there too the cliffs are full of cracks some tiny and some wide in these places there is always a certain amount of dirt and grit you could hardly call it soil and most plants would starve if you planted them in such a place these plants of the rock and cliff are not so proud they have very long and very thin roots admirably suited to pierce the grit and explore the cracks in the rock to find the moisture they need besides this they have fleshy leaves which help them to keep alive the stone crop and the pennywort are well-known plants of this kind they grow where you would least expect to find a living plant neither heat nor thirst seems to kill them mother nature has found many a wonderful way of helping her children to live exercises number one why do plants which grow in sand have such long roots number two in what way are the grasses growing on the sand so useful number three give the names of four flowering plants of the shore number four where would you look for the stone crop and pennywort and finally number five why do these two plants have such thin roots end of lesson six recording by adrian maskell